There's been another big fire on Main Street, a second large building gutted by flames in the same block, the 800 block of Main. And it's happened in less than a month, two big fires in less than a month. What should be done with that stretch of Main Street? That is where we will begin this morning. And my first guest on this is Sel Burroughs, community activist in the Point Douglas area. I, I like to say he's a community activist for the entire city, but he is in the Point Douglas area, which is the area we're talking about. Sel, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, it's first, a bad morning. It's, yeah. Uh, we've had better ones. First of all, your reaction to yet another fire on that stretch of Maine? Well, it's disgusting. It's, it, you know, really discouraging. We we need those buildings. The, the recent building that burned has been a problem building. Uh, I've had to try and get the police in there many times. There was a murder in there uh, last year. Uh, but it's still housing in the inner city, and it's gone now. And the three commercial buildings that burned, uh, you know, any neighborhood needs commercial buildings. We need people coming into the neighborhood to see it. And uh, people have forgotten, uh, I guess it was six, eight months ago, we lost a rooming house as well to fire. Right. So uh, uh, fire has been haunting us. Uh, you mentioned the term urban redevelopment. Uh, this is not the type of urban redevelopment we want no. uh, in our inner city. No, absolutely not. In fact, let me play a clip of a business owner in that area. Here's what he had to say after this latest fire. Uh, it's kind of like a hidden gem around here. You really don't understand it until you open up a business around here and see how much business there really is. A lot of people just drive right by and don't really see the community. So it's nice to know what's going on, even though that people just drive right by and don't understand, you know. We just need more people to come out here and open up some more businesses and get together, I guess. So I'll talk about the area because I think it does get a bad rap. Oh, it does. And, you know, I mean, it's the Main Street uh, uh, strip that, uh, you know, the power line has a difficult time working there. Our whole principle is eyes on the street. And so you get a, a block off Main Street, and it's a, it's a pretty healthy community. It has issues, but our uh, our crime rate and our other issue rate is uh, much lower than it used to be. But when you, as soon as you get on to the Main Street strip, um, we've got some serious, serious problems, and there's things that could be done. Uh, Keith Horn from the Northern Hotel and I tried to get a power line type thing going several years ago, but I just didn't have the energy to to keep it up. You know, we have, you know, community development workers working for the city that work 830 to 430. They should be out organizing and developing uh, programs so that uh, Main Street isn't such a dangerous area. And I just want to talk about the fires themselves. You know, the the new fire chief and deputy fire chief have been terrific supporters of the community. And I talked to them a while back about what were the causes of fire. And in this case, we were really talking about all the vacant houses that were burning, which is an issue we can't forget. And, uh, you know, he came up, they gave me some stats, and I can't remember the exact numbers, but it was interesting because two of the main causes of fires were really building-related issues, and two were tenant-related issues. And we don't know yet what's caused these fires, whether they're arson or building-related. But, uh, you know, elderly wiring, knob and tube wiring, is a major mm -hmm. cause of fire in the inner city, um, as is inadequate heating, where tenants have to bring in old-fashioned uh, uh, plug-in heaters that if they tip over, they can start a fire. 
and I've been pushing government to ban those and uh, you know buy them back and provide inner city people who where the landlords aren't providing enough heat have to heat themselves. But the, uh, on the other side, you have uh, smoking and kitchen fires are, are major causes. And, of course, the, the big one we haven't uh, talked about is arson. And arson happens outside a building. Somebody starts a fire on the outside or somebody starts a fire on the inside. And uh, we're waiting to hear on both of these fires what was the cause of fire. Because what the community needs to do is... Once we know what's causing these fires, we need to get active, uh, meet with powers that be and say, hey, these are what's causing these fires. We need X, Y, and Z uh, to happen so this doesn't happen. And one of X, Y, and Z is always the community needs to keep their eyes out and uh, report bad stuff before it happens. Mm-hmm. I agree with what you're saying completely about the fires and the situation uh, that we have there. Um, and it's tragic to see buildings burn, and thankfully nobody was seriously injured in any of these fires, yep. uh, these two fires that we've seen over the past well, less than a month, as I said in my opening. Yep. But here's my question for you, Sal. I, I now see this as an opportunity, and this is why I wanted to start here this morning. We've got other big news happening today, but I think it's important now that we get all the stakeholders together, that's, you you know, people like you, area residents, government, uh, private sector. What are we going to do? Here's my question for you. What are we going to do with that stretch of Main Street? Because as you said, just off Main Street, it's an incredible neighborhood. I know people that live in that area, love that area. What do we do about this stretch of Main Street that, uh, as the person, uh, the clip I played uh, said, uh, just drive on through? Well, you know, just before I came on, you talked about uh, urban redevelopment and you talked about True North and the Richardsons uh, helping on uh, Portage Avenue. The reality is we need business. We need the private sector. Um, You know, having more social agencies, uh, we need the the services social agencies, but we we need business. We need places where people choose to go, like Metro meets uh, farther down inside you know we've got people coming from all over the city coming to get the best uh, smoked meats in winnipeg uh you can run a business in the inner city and be successful but we need some gutsy business people um and when they do choose then the community's got to get behind them help make them safe uh and we also need a community development type of program going on on main street We've got people living in the hotels, people living in um, Manitoba housing units, and they've got to be kept safe. As long as there's heavy-duty crime, as long as there's uh, threats to people's health, then people aren't comfortable setting up businesses. And so we we need a, a different form of crime prevention. We need eyes on the street. We need situations where we don't have to just use the criminal code. There's a whole bunch of other mechanisms we can use to make those streets safer and then we need gutsy uh, private sector people to come in and start some businesses or maybe some co-ops so i would love to see uh, some businesses locate on that street and that strip and some uh, some other modern more modern housing and something that will bring people into the community people from areas of the city that won't put up with crime won't put up with people being harassed on the street. And uh, we can make the Main Street Strip a really safe place for people and for business 
like we've tried to do with the North Point Douglas area with some mm-hmm. success. I think it's going to be it's going to have to be a collaborative effect because we've we've seen some attempts right Nietzsche Commons United yeah. Way yeah. but then it kind yeah. of peters out and and then any effort comes to an end and I think before we're going to see private business get involved in that area there are some things and you mentioned a couple of things that we need to deal with um, at the community level and then also where the city needs to get involved. Darn right, you know I mean uh, we need to have a policy that. Uh, encourages development in the inner city. We've got all these, uh, what I call, empty teeth all over the inner city where houses have burned down and they've been demolished and nothing's happening in there. Uh, We've got, uh, you know, over a thousand vacant housing units in in the inner city. We've got uh, probably a thousand Manitoba housing vacant housing units in the inner city. Uh, Both levels, the city and the province of, of really betrayed the inner city on the housing issue. And we're getting all these pre-election announcements or post in the city thing, post-election announcements. We need to see some real action. And one of the things is that, uh, you know, the private sector is the major delivery of housing, of low-cost housing. And uh, we can get, if we can get some of those thousand vacant houses back on the market, renting out, that can have a major impact on the, uh, you know, people who are, you know, have a some housing but not very good housing. We can make that better. And these are all related, but we def- desperately need the city and the senior levels of the city to be talking to uh, business and look at whether do we need subsidies. I, you know, I don't like subsidizing private business, but do we need subsidies to get business to come in? We want business that brings people into the inner city, people who can see it. You know, I, I, I'm segueing a little to the side here because crime and safety is one of the major issues of getting business. It's all part of it, though. Yeah, but if you drive by Grant Park uh, High School and, uh, and the community center, the, the, the rink area there in the summer, there's hundreds of kids recreating, playing soccer. You know, I mean, hundreds. The place is jammed. When you drive by equivalent places in the inner city in the summer and there's no, nothing happening. When I was a rec director in the inner city, literally uh, quite a few years ago, we mm-hmm. had tons of programs going in the inner city. And since Sam Cates and then Bowman, recreation has just died out. There are no teams. There's no activities for these kids in the inner city. So we've got 13-year-olds carrying knives. We've got 15-year-olds with guns. We, you know, we had a 12-year-old with a sawed-off shotgun. And so I'm calling on all the soccer moms, all the hockey dads in the suburbs to say, hey, we have a responsibility to put pressure on our city councillors to say, hey, every inner city kid should have the same access to recreation as you know, our kids have in the suburbs. We need a community approach, and, it, and the inner city can't, hasn't got the clout to get that. I mean, we... We got a $25 million recreation thing going in St. James. We've got an $80 million recreation thing going in Janice, my friend Janice Luke's area. Probably deserved. Nothing is planned in the inner city, and it's mm-hmm. you know it's if we want to have have safety, we've got to start with recreation. The city's got three reports, three major reports, including the meth study task force, saying that they've got to do something about recreation. And there was nothing about it in the mayor's 
State of the Union or whatever it's called. Address. State of the yeah, City address, yeah. State yeah, well, listen, we don't we don't need any reports because they can they can tend to cost money, money that could be better yeah. spent addressing the issue. Sel, yeah. so, thanks a lot. I really appreciate getting the conversation going here this morning. Okay, well, I'm going to take one more minute. I want that okay. call to go out to the suburbs. All well, right. You're not going to get that area developed on the main street. You're not going to get it until the suburbs take some interest in the inner city and start demanding to this, their city councillors to invest in this inner city. Not social services, but business, recreation, things that make it a healthier place to live. Thanks so much, Hal. We started the show today right after the news at 10 o'clock with Sel Burroughs, community activist in the Point Douglas area. I said, you know, what do we want to do now with uh, Main Street after another big fire in that 800 block of Main? And that's why I initially booked Gino D'Astasio for now for the show, Director of Urban Studies at the University of Winnipeg. So, Gino, I'll say good morning, and I will get to that. But let me ask you, first of all, about the news that we have broke here on CJOB this morning, True North Square, interested in Portage Place in downtown Winnipeg. Wow. Well, that's the first I've heard of it. I've been on uh, calls myself here. so Okay, well, let me, give you some de- let, let me give you some details. So several sources have told us, and we're going to have somebody on from True North, uh, Jim Ludlow, this afternoon on the news with uh, Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham, uh, True North Square, Uh, including, of course, the Richardson family, interested in buying Portage Place. We now have a number, $34.5 million. The province and Ottawa apparently have both said yes. City Council uh, will look at it one week from today. Executive Policy Committee will will talk about it. And as long as city approval is there, then the negotiations can begin uh, because, of course, the mall is owned by a B.C.-based real estate firm and the Forks North Portage partnership uh i've been wondering what's going to happen uh with portage place and and now this is the latest after starlight bailed well that's you know that's actually very encouraging news that you've got a local ownership group that has a tremendous stake in the downtown and in that very area wanting to get even deeper into uh supporting uh the the economy of the downtown and trying to find a way to Solve what could Portage Place be if it had more resources and the potential to, to, to really provide more services? I agree with you completely. Uh, it was unfortunate when Starlight was out, but now I go, wow, this is in my mind anyhow, and we've got to wait and see, right? We don't have a lot of details, but in my mind, now we've got somebody locally that wants to make a difference with Portage Place, and so that has me even more excited. Yeah, and, and I think that's a good thing because, you know, Portage Place, through its history, has had a, a tough go at trying to be a retail, you know, juggernaut in the downtown. I, I think it can be more. I'm, I'm saddened when I walk through there and see a lot of vacancies and know that there is potential in our downtown to rebound. And we just need to find that right formula that brings people there when the services are there, the mix of services, maybe some residential and whatever components that really make it uh, reactivate the, the downtown in that area. And we know that True North has, uh, has put their money where their mouths are and really delivered on a transformation of the area around the, uh, the, uh, the, the rink. 
Mm-hmm. And and my understanding is that a community aspect will be really important to True North Square, and that's the part that I liked most about the Starlight proposal. So I'm glad to see that there's going to be a real community, and we will wait and see what the details are. But my understanding is community is going to be key. Yeah, and I think that 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 has to be front and center. Just knowing, obviously, how Winnipeg's downtown has unfolded, the complexity of who's coming downtown and using the supports and services, the retail, all that mix. But I'm glad to see that piece, too, because I agree with you, Hal. I thought that was kind of a well-thought-out piece. And in my view, it was the piece that involved the most consultation and discussion with various uh, organizations and groups in the downtown. So... We'll see how it unfolds, but it's it's certainly exciting and, and very encouraging to see local ownership and leadership in trying to resolve a, a longstanding, uh, I don't know what you call it, maybe a roadblock to the downtown, because I, I really think that Portage Place has kind of become a bit of a barrier to uh, to real widespread success. I appreciate you commenting on it, and I'm sorry to surprise you. I, I know you were in meetings <laughs> and Zooms all morning, and you had a few minutes at this time for yeah. me, and so I appreciate you weighing in on something you hadn't really heard about. But I, I agree. I think it's good news. We'll wait for more details, but I think it's great. What about Main Street? We've had now the second big fire, a building gutted uh, in that 800 block of Main Street in, what, yeah. three weeks? Less than a month, anyhow. What, what do we do along that stretch? You know, we, we've seen some success and some movement in the past, United Way. Nietzsche Commons that didn't really work out what do we do I see this as an opportunity it is and it, you know Hal it really reminds me of going back in time to, to the night, late 90s when Winnipeg was really experiencing a significant rise in arson in the inner city and if you remember at that time we came together and uh, Neighbourhoods Alive was launched in response to trying to come up with a community-led model to address widespread arson in, in communities and neighborhoods. So I think we need to, to take that same approach here. We need to bring the stakeholders in that area together and try to figure this out because it's devastating. It's psychologically impactful when we, we see these images of a uh, real devastation and in, in places that we, we can't afford to have that. We, we're losing affordable housing. We're, we're struggling uh, with identity, and, and I think we really, really need to use this as a way to come forward as a community and find some solutions to this. Gino, thank you. I'll let you get back to your busy day. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Hal.